I'm a recovering control freak. Is anybody else a recovering control freak? Anybody? Okay, we got a couple. Um, so for me, uh, I'm like, it's Vision Sunday. I'm really stoked. And this is one of those weekends where nothing went the way that it was supposed to go. Literally nothing. Even I burnt my bagel. My, my wife buys me really expensive bagels. It's our one splurge. I don't know why. I love bagels. And I burn it this morning. And then I come and the TVs aren't working. If you're new or my lobby people, I so apologize because you have no TVs. So you're probably like flying blind over there. And then in the middle of it, if you don't know, I just started laughing because in the middle, look at it. It's right now. It's like uh, finding it. Uh, but in the middle of, uh, the middle of the first song, the light just went completely out. So I'm a recovering control freak because the Lord's like, look at what I'm doing, not what you are doing. Amen? Amen? The Spirit of the Lord is moving. God is moving. There's people coming and sitting in the lobby with no air conditioner or heat right now. It has nothing to do with what we're doing or I'm doing or the elders doing. It's the Spirit of God moving in a profound way. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about vision. I was... Uh, I was uh, snowshoeing. Meg and I, we had some friends up from uh, California. This was a couple years back. And we went snowshoeing. It was a perfectly blue day on Mount Rainier. Like, not a cloud in sight. And so we were uh, hiking on this trail. The, the trail was still seen. And you go over this little bridge that kind of was still seen over this waterfall. And then you go into pure whiteness. There, you can't see anything. And we're walking and we're hiking maybe half an hour. And within three minutes, I don't know if you've ever had this phenomenon, but Within three minutes, it goes from bright blue skies to complete whiteout. If you've never been in a complete whiteout, it is one of the scariest things that you've ever seen. We lost complete vision. We're barely seeing each other to the left or to the right. Where you become disoriented, and to be honest with you, you can lose hope. Very quickly, you realize when people are in these survival situations how crazy it is and how hope can be completely lost. Now, it's important when you get disoriented or you get lost in the woods that you have to remember these markers you have to remember these set groups of trees or luckily this bridge and so we knew that we had to just get down the hill because we had walked uphill and we had to find this bridge and so we're walking without vision just walking slowly and making sure that everyone's like freaking out don't worry we're here so we survived but uh, we finally found the bridge now one of the things I want to tell you is that we have these guide posts and with direction in our lives as well. And so this Vision Sunday is not a launching some new initiative or some new grand vision. It's saying, what are the guideposts that Christ has put into our lives? Because sometimes life gets hard for you all, doesn't it? Sometimes you can be disoriented. Sometimes you can be disillusioned with church. Can I get an amen in this house? So you have to get back to the why of church. And so today we are talking about the why of church. We're talking about the vision. The vision of what I believe that God is doing in this body because he's moving in profound ways. And I want us, because all of us are walking through this life and it's hazy out there. Can you feel it? It's foggy out there. It can be disillusioned. It can be lost hope. And I want to look at why God has us here at this moment at this place because there's a long story that God is here. There's so many new people in this church and you probably don't even know the story. So I'm going to go there. We're going to go origin story. Okay. It, it, this is uh, it's important. Whenever you see like a superhero movie, I don't watch movies. It's a weird thing about me. I've watched not very many movies, even in my life, 
but I know that every superhero movie needs an origin story, all right? And so you have the story of what's going on, and you see the power, but you have to hear what happened to get there, okay? Now, one of the things that you have to know is that we used to meet in a school, and then this little thing called a pandemic hit, if you remember that, and everyone stopped going to church in general, and we got kicked out of the school, rightfully so. We were no longer to be able to meet there, and we met... Everyone's going to smile that remembers these days. We met in an old Baptist church on Saturday nights. There is nothing worse than trying to grow a church in the middle of a pandemic in an old Baptist church in the, on Saturday nights. It was, if it was rainy, I knew that attendance was going to be down to like 10 people. There was like my family and a couple other families, and we were just going to have a good, good time. You guys remember those days, all right? But it's amazing. And in the middle of the pandemic, a good friend of mine, Pastor Dave, uh, still a good friend. He's still part of this body. He, he said, I really need to take a break from ministry. He'd been serving for 25 years in ministry. Praise God. I've been doing this for two years, and I feel the, I feel the weariness, all right? And so he's like, I, I can't do it anymore, all right? And so we're stuck in this old Baptist church on Saturday nights with the founding pastor that's just like, you know what? I, I, really, I really can't go on anymore. So here's the deal. We were faced with this question. Did we just shut this thing down? That's, that's the classic question, right? I mean, that's the natural question. Let's just call it a day. It was a good life. We tried our hardest, right? <laughs> and here's the deal. A small group of us got, met because here at Redeem, one thing you'll know about us, we don't do anything unless we believe that the Lord is calling us to do that. That's why we do not run a bunch of programs and we don't run people into the ground. We say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And so we were, we were put this, this decision, Lord, do you want us to keep going? And the Lord said yes, okay? Now we have a problem. Who's going to lead this thing, right? So we, we, we decided let's do this. Now who's going to lead this? And, and, and Meg and I have been part of this church for lots of years. We, this is our, you all are my, my people, right? We know that. And so the elders came to me and they said, uh, would you guys be interested in leading it? Now it's interesting because when I'm faced with that question, you, you pray and you're like, Holy Spirit, the question is, should I lead this church? The answer should come yes or no, right? It's a yes or no question. You ever have that? You know, it's like yes or no. Let's figure this out. Oftentimes in my life, this may not be true for you, but I'm just saying for my life, I don't get yes or no answers. I get something more profound that makes you even more mad. And so he says, I want more churches in the Northwest, not less. That's what I heard. I never said, I never heard like, yes, that you, that this is, he said, I want more churches in the Northwest, not less. Now, why do I believe that I hear that, heard that? Because I believe that he was preparing us that there was still work to be done. He's saying, I want you to build a church here in the Northwest. And there's still more work to be done. This is not surprising. This is not a vanity project for me, okay? If I could do anything else, I would have. But the Lord said, I want Redeemed Church to keep going, and I want more churches to invade the darkness than, than to bow down to the darkness. Amen? And then I felt him say, I want a healthy, spirit-led, keep in mind, healthy first, healthy spirit-led church in the heart of the city that would have generational impact. That was the vision. That was the God-given uh, uh, kind of vision for where we were going. And the Lord is building that. Can you feel it? 
The Lord is building that. What you are experiencing right now is a few of us that were kind of crazy. It was either going to work or it wasn't. And it was all built on this vision. And, he's, and we took God at his word and we kept pushing forward. In a couple years of craziness, we had challenge after challenge. It was not easy. And the Lord met us every step of the way. Over the last couple of years of the journey, he's been Colossians 2 tooing us, all right? That's what I call it. God is knitting us together in love. If someone asks you what church you go to, and you say, you know, I go to Redeemed Church, here's the deal. You're getting knit together in love with us as well, whether you like it or not. I guess you made the choice, so, but these are your people. And he knit us together in love because the story of Redeem is not about an organization. It never was. It's about an organism. It is about an organism, right? We were never called to just be an uh, organization. We were called to be an organism because the story only works if you and me and us are doing this thing together. Now, here's the best part. We were in this little Baptist church, and so we have this vision to continue. We're like passionately ready to go. And how does God respond, right? This is, this is going to be great, right? God let us sit there on Saturday nights for like a year and a half later. Amen? It was like we just kept going and going and going. And we had no home, no prospect of a home. For like over a year, we only had vision. Now, why did I bring this up? God is a God of vision. He will put things in your heart, and then he will put the endurance to make you wait. Yes, yes. He will put things in your heart, and then he's going to build you up with the endurance that you need. Because if we just got everything handed to us, we would not be the body that you walk straight into today. Does that make sense? He was molding us and shaping us, and he builds patience and endurance in you. And we were waiting on this building. As we were waiting on this building, God pointed us to the book of Colossians. He's like, I want you to read from the book of Colossians, and I want you to preach from the book of Colossians. And so we want to go back there. Chapter 1 has a bunch of great insights into what we are trying to do here at Redeem. So we literally don't have TV, so I always say this, and no one does. But if you want to open your Bible or your app to Colossians 1, you're going to need it to read it, all right? Because we have no technology. This is the best part. The Lord's moving. This message is written while Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, is in prison, okay? And, and he starts with this, it, the church was actually started by this friend of his named Ephesus in a town called Colossa. And now this town is not like the other cities that Paul usually wrote to. It's a small, socially unimportant town. I'm guessing there are comments like this, like, does anything good come out of Colossa, right? Sound familiar? Does anything good come out of Lakewood? Does anything good come out of Tacoma? No offense to Lakewood and Tacoma. We just, you know, get a bad rap. Let's just be honest, all right? But there was a movement of God that was happening there, enough that it got Paul's attention. And before the letter, it's believed that Ephesus had recently visited Paul in prison. He's like, the Colossians are actually doing really awesome. But they're also facing incredible pressure, incredible cultural pressures that are pressing them. And they're pressuring these people to turn away from Jesus and to turn away from the church. Does this sound familiar? We could put ourselves in there. But they're doing a bunch of things right, and so the church is growing. 
And so this is the tension that they find themselves at. So let's look at what Paul tells the church because he's going to say, under pressure, this is what really matters. This is what I really want the church to know. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Paul thanked God for faith, love, and hope. He starts this passage like every sign at a Hobby Lobby when you first walk in, right? You can just see it. We're going to have a Hobby Lobby sign, faith, love, hope, right up here. But he's like, this is what a church needs. They have to operate in all three of these virtues. Literally, they're important, and they work off each other. Redeem is marked by these as well. Faith is this. If you come into redeem, I pray that you see faith all the time. You see our soul looking upwards to God for everything that we need. This is a house marked with faith. Now, we respond to the faith through love. We Love looks outward to others. And then we see this, that we now, if we're operating in faith and we're operating in love, we share hope, which is looking forward to the future. We are a place of faith, hope, and love. And he has heard about their faith in the midst of all the pressures that they've been facing. He's like, you have been, they've been facing so many cultural expectations, so many religious experiences that they could have turned back from, so many different alternative ways to live, and they remain faithful they looked upwards through it all. And then in the midst of planet crazy, they didn't back down. They chose love. They responded in faith and they responded in love, which then puts them in the present mind. But they also live with the future in mind. If we stand firm here as a church, we operate in these realms. We stand firm in the work of Christ, not anything we did. Look at it. The lights are out, the, the, the TVs are out, and we have lobby people, right? Nothing we did. We stand firm in the truth that Christ is doing something, and so we remain present by loving one another, and we remain hopeful, having vision about what God is going to do in the future, that he's returning. And these are all marked of, us, marked of us. So let's read on, because to live out this vision, we have to live in faith, hope, and love, and we also, each of you, not me, but each of you, bear fruit, Colossians 1, 6, as indeed in the whole word, it, world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Paul is saying, look, the gospel is doing what the gospel does. The gospel is spreading through the whole world. I want to tell you today, from my experience with World Vision, from my experience with Alpha, I've been with lots of big international organizations. The, the, the gospel is advancing. Do not listen to the news, all right? The gospel is advancing. You know why? Because the gospel does what the gospel does, right? The Lord is always at work. But he takes it from the, the abstract to the practical, and he's like, look, you are one church, right? Colossians, you are one church, and on the practical level, you're producing fruit as well. You're bearing fruit. See, 
Christ set up a network of churches and all of us, how is the gospel advancing? The gospel is advancing because Redeemed Church and the church in Colossae is doing what it's supposed to be doing, bearing fruit and advancing the gospel in our realm, okay? We are to bear fruit. Now, what do we know about fruit? Now, I want to make sure that everyone hears this. So this is one of those things that I want everyone to hear. Fruit grows on trees. I, I, there's other things, I'm sure, but they primarily grow on trees, all right? And these trees were like trees that are planted firm in the truth here in the heart of the city. Now, the beautiful thing is that some of us are new trees. They are, right? You haven't been planted for very long. They have little buds that are coming up, right? Some of us are old, old trees where we're just producing a, a ton of fruit. But what's amazing is that each of us are growing and we're getting called to grow to bear more and more and more fruit. Now, that's not the church's job. That's your job. Oh, wait, you are the church. You are to be planted firm in the truth. And when you plant firm in the truth, when you share the gospel, the gospel does what the gospel does. It advances. Trees are an organism, not an organization, all right? You each are to bear fruit. Let's keep going. Colossians 1, 7. Just as you learned it from Ephesus, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to you the love and the spirit Make sure that's on. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul also prays so that we have this. How do we achieve this? How do we know how to, the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? That's each of us, all right? So how do we, how do we achieve that? I really wish that there was an easier way that I could tell you that you could achieve this. I really, really wish that fog machines and fancy lights would help you achieve this. I really wish that, that entertaining sermons would help you achieve this. But our call in this is to get through all the fog and the haze and the pressures of life and each of us understanding the knowledge of God and the will of what he has for each of us. The bad news is no matter how much we try, knowledge of God's will does not come from fleshy stuff. Fleshy stuff will never lead you in the knowledge of God. He will never point you to the will of God. When we come with our fleshy expectations as a church, you are completely missing what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to do. He's saying there is knowledge of who I am, and I have a will for your life, and I'm going to reveal it to you. Get out of the fleshy stuff and get into the deep stuff. So we as redeemed get into the deep stuff. If we're going to be trees that are planted deep and bear the fruit that the Lord has for us to produce good fruit, to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the gospel, each of you have a call on your life and the Lord's revealing it. Now, how do we do that? It's not up to the leaders of the church. It's not up to a select few. All of us are called to do this. And it's getting deep into the word. It's studying the word. It's loving the word. And it's the Holy Spirit revealing and enlightening your inner person on what the Lord has for you. Now, this seems hard, but it's kind of like I always say. It's getting in the gym and not looking at the equipment. It's doing the push-ups and doing the sit-ups. Amen? It's lifting some weights. 
There's nothing flashy about this. I, I wish there was a strategic plan that I could show you all and say, here's exactly how it happens. No, it's whether you desire to bear fruit exactly how he wants to, by growing in the knowledge of God's will in your life. I'm in for this thing, okay? I want a movement. I'm not just going through the motions. If I start going through the motions, you will see my resignation, okay? This is a movement of God that's trying to take place, and it's each of us joined together in this call. This is a call to active faith, not passive. I pray that if you step foot in Redeemed Church and you come passively, you're going to feel uncomfortable because the Lord is asking you to be active in your faith. Why? Because he's going he's to point this out. To live out the vision together, redeemed people walk in redeemed life. Colossians 1.10. So as, you walk, as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, transformed character is what he desires. He desires each of you to look more like Christ every day. I love this. We say this all the time. When you walk into Redeem, are you going to meet Jonathan? Are you going to meet Kevin? Are you going to meet Liz? No, you're going to meet Jesus. And we look more like Christ, less of us and more like him. We glorify and lift the name of Jesus in this house. And that's the only way it works. It's not about us. It's about walking in a manner that's worthy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord. More of Christ is our prayer every day. He wants you to give everything to him and to anticipate and do his wishes in every aspect of your life. So we see a life well lived for a church is bearing fruit. It's growing together. But it's also living out this vision means that we are to live with strength, endurance, patience, and joy. Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You just heard our origin story. You are experiencing, I truly believe this. Megan and I have been part of lots of churches. I traveled around and visited a lot of churches. I, I've been in the church world for most of my life. I, was, I grew up in pastor kid, okay? I, I know the church. You are experiencing a church that is strong, that can endure a lot, that has patience. Just think about how long, if you've been here for a while, we've been waiting to do that building upstairs, we can outpatient any church because the Lord built in us strength and patience and endurance. And this is crazy. And what we're doing is crazy. And we do it with joy. That is one of the feedbacks that I have gotten about this place. I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. I have, I have had people that come in that feel uncomfortable because we are too joyful. <laughs> That's serious. Multiple people. Dead serious. That's how warped Satan has put people's minds right now. Yeah. That joy is a mark of everything that everyone wants. And when they experience it, they feel like it's too much and they feel uncomfortable with it. They don't even know what to do with the joy. All of us 
have been saved in radical ways. How are we not going to be joyful? The Lord gave us this building at the heart of Bridgeport and Gravelly Lake. It is way too big for us. We are a small church. I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm joyful. Amen? If we're going to be the full church that redeemed church is meant to be, it's knowing God's will and doing it. And we continue to grow, we strengthen, we endurance, we have patience, and we have joy. Now, I want people to hear this if you're not there, because I really do want to explain this to you. I, I work out. I oftentimes lift with my buddy Darby. He's a, a former wrestler and a former MMA fighter. I am not. I'm a former cross-country runner. And uh, every workout we do, um, he, throws, he literally grabs the 50-pound weights. I know. I know. It's crazy. Like push press 50 pounds each, each hand. And I'm like down in the 25s. But I used to be like 15s. And it's not that bad, but it's, it's bad. If I'm comparing myself to Darby, I would quit. But God didn't call me to compare myself to anyone. He called me to strengthen. He called me to get more endurance and more patience and more joy. There's some people that are just more joyful than other people. Don't freak out about it. Become more joyful. Some of us are stronger in our faith. That's okay. Just get stronger. Some of us have patience and endurance. I don't have patience. The elder team knows this about me. I'm not a good patient person. Thank you, Don. The one that knows me? Preach it, sister. We're on the same page. Patience. Patience. Grow in patience. Grow in endurance. Do not compare yourself. Colossians 1, 12, 14. Keep going. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the, of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's saying this is how you keep out of all the cultural pressures to operate fully in the church that God desires. We have to understand that we live in a dark world. We do, but we are light. So we don't operate in it. Okay. We understand that God did all the work to bring us out of darkness. What everyone is experiencing that they cannot put words to is darkness. Whether you believe it or not, some people are uncomfortable with that, but there is darkness out there. It's not placing judgment on anyone. It's that people are choosing to live in darkness because they are so deceived by the enemy. Now, when we're light and we operate in light, it's going to make people uncomfortable. We do not go into the domain of darkness because we were pulled out of that. Why would you want to go back into it? And it's just like people that say, you're too joyful, you're too light, you're too much. You say, I don't know any other way to live. And what happens is people that are in the domain of darkness over time begins to see our light, begins to see our joy, begins to turn and begins to come. And that's where the transformed life happens. You see it when we're baptizing people. They're coming out of the domain of darkness where they're lost and they're lonely and they're confused and they come into light and they all of a sudden are enlightened and it's saying this is how you deal with the culture pressures. Darkness cannot invade light. Light always has to invade darkness. That's a scientific thing. 
Darkness never can overcome light. Light can only overcome darkness. And we were paid at a price. This was not free. So we now live redeemed through his redemption. We no longer live in sin through Christ. We are brought from the rebel kingdom and placed under the sovereignty of the rightful king. Now, who is this rightful king? He says it, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things were hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that is in, that in everything he must be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is one of the most powerful passages you can ever read. Paul mentions seven unique characteristics of Christ. Number one, he's the image of God. Anyone who has experienced Christ has experienced the invisible God of the entire universe. He is the perfect image, perfect image bearer. He's the firstborn over all creation. Christ preceded the whole creation. And because of that, he is sovereign over all creation. But wait, there's more. He's also, the universe was created through him. Sit and think about that. All things were created through him and for him and in him that they are held together by him. Christ is not the only one. Christ is, is the only one who all things came to be through him. Or four, he's the head of the church. Thank you, Jesus. Newsflash, I'm not the head of this church. I oversee the church. The elders, we oversee the church. Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the universal church. There are millions and millions of churches around the world that are meeting, and Christ is the head of all of them. And he's the head of this church. He's leading us, which means he's leading Redeemed Church. We are one church out of a network of churches that Christ is orchestrating through his spirit. He's orchestrating. That's why sometimes I, I get it. You can get, into the, you can get into the church comparison game. You say, oh, this church is doing this. This church is doing this. this church. Stop it. What has Christ called us to do? What has Christ called us to do? To uniquely live out each of our bodies uniquely. Each of these churches is a body, and he's calling each one to act uniquely. Firstborn from the dead, number five. We see that he was first, he's also last. Number six, the fullness of God. He is the full and complete deity of God. And number seven, he's the reconciler of all things, and this is where I want to end. Through Christ, God is redeeming all things to himself. If you believe this passage, which is up to you to believe or not, it's all of his anyway. God's saying this is all his anyway. He created it. He's sustaining it. He overcame death. 
He's reconciling it. He's calling it back to him. So we join in that call. We join in his call. And this is who we are. We are redeeming all things through his presence. Everything out there is his. We simply join in redeeming it. Okay? I thought this was where everyone was going to cheer, but that's all right. That's all right. I'll edit it. I think I need to say this. When we were, when we were meeting and talking about this, redeem, redeem, we're like, redeem, what does it mean? Like, it's kind of weird. You, it's a weird word, right? Like, a lot of people have told us to rebrand ourselves, but we are not rebranding ourselves. How can you redeem, redeem, right? Redeem is to gain or regain possession of something. To gain or regain possession of something. Christ came and he died. He was raised from the dead. And all he's doing is regaining his possessions. This is all his. Everything in the church, everything out of the church is all him. And he's saying, I'm coming back to redeem, to regain, to gain back the possessions that were always mine. And so, if our name is Redeemed Church, we are leaving these doors with boldness to redeem the things that are Christ's. They're his possessions anyway. You are his possession. You are his possession. Whether you believe it or not, you are his possession. On the day of judgment, you're going to find out you are his possession. Your kids, your spouse, your families, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers who annoy you, the addicts on the street, your ad addictions, your pains, your griefs, your losses, your insecurities, all of it is Jesus's. Bring it to him because he wants to redeem it. He wants to regain possession of all the lies that you're telling in your head. He wants to regain possessions of all the addictions that you've been going to. He wants to regain possessions of the families that you're leading. He wants to regain possession of all the pains and sorrows and griefs and past hurts that were never meant to happen to you in the dark world. And he's saying, come to the light and I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to redeem every aspect of your life. And so redeem people, we join in that. We redeem all things. We are going out. We're marching orders of this. We are gaining back possession of the things that are Jesus Christ. It's the only real solution. Anyone in our lives, and us included, when we're outside of Christ, we are to be brought back into Christ. He's calling his people to join in this, so we join in that. So how do we do that? It, our whole model is this. Each one of you are called to redeem all things through his presence. So let's think about what those words mean. I made this chart that was hopefully everyone's going to see, but now no one can see. But I'm going to kind of explain it. We are in the redeeming business. We do that in community, okay? Life groups, counseling, women's, men's, youth, young adults. We're going to be running a, mo a thing called Emotionally Healthy Discipleships Rooted. There will be things that get added. We just are not that big. But what I'm trying to say is if you've ever met a transformed person, if you've ever met somebody who's gaining in knowledge of his will, if you've ever been people who are really living the discipled life, it's in community. I, I, like I said earlier, I wish that this stage time made more impact than it probably does. It's getting together and looking someone in the faith face in community. If you're not in women's, if you're not in men's, if you're not in a life group, if you're, everyone that's in a life group knows this, that's where the transformation happens. And that's where the redeeming happens. 
in community. He wants to redeem all these things. These are the things that we invite people into. Come and regain possession to Jesus. To redeem things in community. All things, right? All things. So there's a couple things that are going on. All things. We're building up leaders within this. We have a whole leadership development plan. There's many of you are going to be asked to brought in this. We need more and more leaders. This thing is scaling way faster than what I anticipated, okay? And so we need people stepping up to see ministries. You're going to be ready to redeem all things. We need volunteers. Part of it's volunteering, operating in your spiritual gifts. We're working on some plans to make sure that you guys know your spiritual gifts. So when you leave these doors, you know how you are to operate to bring people back into the kingdom of God. Outreach, evangelism, uh, Ugandan Wells through uh, our friend Jonah, Park Lodge Elementary School, uh, Celebrate You Foundation. There's going to be more and more things that get brought up. But I want to bring this. This is our uniqueness, okay? This is our uniqueness in this. Through his presence, Jesus is redeeming all things. And so we come to his, we come into his presence, and that is where he does most his redeeming. Have you ever felt that? Sundays, kingdom come prayer nights, Wednesday noon prayer, Sunday morning prayer, 10 a.m., freedom prayer, upfront prayer, 24-7 prayers. These are all things that we do. When, we, when Meg and I took over, when, we, when, we, when they said, got asked to, to lead the church, the Lord said, I want exponential more prayer in this church. That's the only growth strategy that we've had. We have not done anything really well, if we're being honest. But we pray hard. Any of these, if you can come on the first Wednesday of every month, if you have prayer needs, come up front. We want to. We have a prayer team that's ready for you. If you have things that you just need to be broken free of, we have people that are ready to do freedom prayer with you. If you uh, want to come on Wednesdays at noon, if you want to come before a service, I kid you not, 10 a.m. prayer before service. Most of the time, I don't even want to come into service because I just want to stay in prayer because we pray over the needs and we pray over what God's going to do through his presence. I started the saying, I'm not in control of this thing. Elders aren't in control of this thing. You are in control of these things. God is in control of this thing, and he's moving, and we get into his presence. We come and we bow down our heads, and we put ourselves into the rightful position on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and we say, you are in control. You are the, you are the one that's moving. It's not up to me. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, and have your way in this church, okay? We also are called to this. We help you live out your calling, Ephesians 4, 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It's our vision for this church. We're, we are an organization. There's things that we do. Tony is our treasurer. We have an elder team. We have an advisory council. We have all the things that we need. We have staff. We have people. We're growing the different ministries. But at the end of the day, we are an organism, not an organization. And what I mean by that is all of us are going out to spread the gospel. We are called to be a body. We are called to be a body with cells and ligaments and bones and muscles and all of us and little uh, fingers and toes and a brain and a heart. And this is who we are called to. If we want to see the gospel advance, keep in mind, when Paul says this, he doesn't say, I want to grow the church. He says, I want to bear fruit. I want people to be transformed out of darkness. The church is where we come together to get the marching orders to move out. 
to do the work of the ministry. And we are here to equip you to do the work of the ministries. I'm excited about what we've been doing at men's. We have been equipping people to the work of the ministries. I'm excited what we're doing with women. We're equipping the works of the ministry. Diego and the youth equipping the works of the ministry. Liz and young adults equipping the young adults to do the ministry. Life group leaders equipping you all to do the ministry because I know what your heart is, that your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, and, your, and, and those around you come to Jesus. Couple, a couple points. This is Vision Sunday. Our, October 22nd. If you're new to this church, uh, I think there's a slide. Um, October 22nd, after church, we had a great first one. But if you're new to this church, we throw lunch for you, okay? And so you come out and you get to join the leadership team for lunch, uh, which is exciting. And we just kind of come together, but we talk about the heart and how we do this. But there's a couple things that I want to, each person, I want you to take notes on this. If Redeemed Church is going to live out the call of what I think he is doing, which is a profound way. He's going to scale this ministry in a profound way. What does that look like? Each of you, each of you, each of you need to be in community, okay? If you're not in men's, if you're not in women's, if you're not in life groups, you're not in whatever, get into community. That is where we grow. Number two, commit. Make said it. I, I, we have an insane volunteer crew for our size church, right? But everyone, my mentor always says this, everyone has a Sunday assignment and they have a life assignment, okay? I don't want everyone so busy with church stuff that we don't get out into the real world and start preaching the gospel, amen? So that's a strategic call on my end. But there, each one of you can be serving in kids or worship or greeting or security or youth or whatever, but I'm not begging you, okay? I'm not going to beg you. We're good if you decide not to. I'm saying you're missing out. And what I mean by that is I want people called into the ministry, not just there out of guilt. Because people called into the ministry bear fruit. Those who come by guilt won't see fruit. So you have a, you have a, you have a Sunday assignment or a church assignment, whatever that looks like. It could be as little as I come and set up tables for women's. I, I come and set up tables for, for kids, or I come help set up for kids, or I help whatever that looks like. I'm going to put a link. Uh, Amanda will take a note, but we're going to put a link on the top. We just have a whole thing on, if you want to volunteer, because that's part of it is people don't know how to, but on Redeemed Church, you just fill it out, and they have a list of all the ways that you can help, and she'll follow up with you. She's amazing. You also have a life assignment, if we're just being honest. And I don't, we are here to equip you for your life assignment. Meaning you are meant to go out to the places that God has put you and you are to be light in the darkness and you are to bear fruit. So let's go do it, okay? The last thing I'm going to say is, I, I came kicking and screaming on this last one, all right? If there's anything you know about me, I know, give. If you call Redeem home, I want to challenge you to give. I was not joking, and the elder team, we knew this when we took this. God has given us a bigger vision than we currently are. If you haven't seen the upstairs, if you haven't seen the downstairs, if you haven't seen all the things that we're doing, God gave us a building in the heart of the city to be a hub for the city. We have plans. We have nonprofits that are meeting in here. We have uh, a lot of different uh, organizations that get to use this space. The goal is that this place will be a hub for the kingdom of God advancing, but it's expensive. 
And, and so I, I just want to challenge you that we, God put us in the busiest intersection at Gravely and Bridgeport and probably, probably one of the top ones in the county. And he gave us one of the tougher areas in the county. There is so much need of addiction and homelessness and we're trying to keep up with uh, gift cards and benevolence funds and all the stuff to get people what they need. And then he gave us growth when we weren't ready for it. We have a ton of new family and kids are like up to like 30 people, 30 kids up there. Pray for my wife more than me, please. We have new outreach opportunities that are beginning to come up. We have schools that are coming saying, hey, I heard Redeem is doing some stuff. Can we talk about it too? The vision is that we join with Jesus in redeeming all things. And I don't want to manipulate anything. So I want to say this. If you're called to invest, here's how I always do it. Don't listen to my words on this. Go home and pray and say, Lord, do you want me giving? Is redeem a place that you want me to give? And if so, what does that look like? Because the Holy Spirit is going to reveal what, you, what he needs you to do. We're not in lack, just so you know. Like the Lord will provide every dollar that we need. Every dollar. The question is if it's you or if it's somebody else. And I want the Holy Spirit to do that work. Because I want you to commit because committed people bear fruit, not manipulated people. So this is not manipulating. And the last thing is pray. We are a church with vision. And we're a church that has to endure and has to strengthen and has to have patience. So we pray for the church. Pray for Meg, pray for Diego, pray for Liz, pray for us, pray for the elders. Keep us in your prayer. Pray for each other. There's a prayer wall out there. And I was shocked. I was just walking. We just kind of threw it up there. It's, it's incredible. The amount of prayers that are on there is just incredible. Write a prayer down. People are praying for you. But also walk by there and just pray for some people. The, our whole growth strategy is prayer, okay? So let's be a house that prays. Let's go ahead and stand. Oh, actually, stay seated. We're going to, I forgot we have communion. Go ahead and come up, John. Come up, worship band. We're going to take communion together. We're going to do it old school style again. Uh, if you don't know, this is kind of Vision Sunday. This is John. He's my bodyguard. No, actually, he's, <laughs> he's uh, one of the elders here. And uh, we have incredible elders. At some point, we'll, we'll have them come up. But elders share, uh, lead us into communion and we're going to go old school style. We got the bread and dipping, which I'm excited about. But I love you all. You're my people. And I think out of all of it is the best vision that we have is remembering that Jesus is in complete control of every aspect of our lives. And when we trust Jesus, he's going to move. So let's do communion together.